Breathe deep the gathering gloom. Watch lights fade from every room. Bedsitter people look back and lament. Another day's useless energy spent. Impassioned lovers wrestle as one. Lonely man cries for love and has none. New mother picks up and suckles her son. Senior citizens wish they were young. Cold-hearted orb that rules the night removes the colors from our sight. Red is gray and yellow white, but we decide which is right and which is an illusion. And now it's time to sit back and enjoy the two true freaks internet radio broadcast. Welcome to the Five Hour Freak. I'm Chris Honeywell, and I'm here with a whole bevy of goons. Seeing as how that's a reference to what we were talking about before you were listening to us. I have with me tonight the, the Holy Trinity of Scots. I've got, of course, Scottimus Prime, Mr. Scott Gardner. <laughs> Hi, how's it going? Star of stage and screen, Mr. Scott Rifen. Hi! And Scott two point wow, <laughs> Scott two point. I'm in Georgia. Um, do you have a mutant name? I uh, haven't given it much thought. I don't know. Scott yeah, McGregor. <laughs> and um, and then we, the the little glowing pig face that just spoke from my Skype viewer, Mr. Paul Spataro. Hey there, Doctor No, who may not be Doctor No this time, but I don't know. Doctor Who knows. Like, time yeah. will tell. We also have Chris Tyler, the hair metal hero. Oh, Wolverine's butt. And the man whose mutant power is creating rocks with his urethra. (laughs) 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 Oh, you beat me to it. That's what I was going to say. He also has a secondary power where he pees blue. That hasn't kicked in yet. (laughs) My my, uh, Professor X, I I don't want to have my... Mutant power, and I want to walk pills haven't kicked in yet. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. I was in, I was, when I had my gallstones, I was next, right in the next bed to someone who had kidney stones. And you know what? I was really glad I wasn't them. So, well, it's good to know I haven't been crazy with some of the pains I've been having. I'm Thanks. hoping that we have like a Van Gelder moment where you're talking. <laughs> <laughs> 
Or, you know, as uh, Captain Kirk in the pain. pain <laughs> the agonizer. <laughs> the agonizer, exactly. The kidneyizer. <laughs> anyway, we are here to discuss X Men. Days of Future Past, and I want so bad to say Dark Side of the Moon for some reason, because it's this album title thing messes me up every time. And so we're going to follow our standard format of everybody giving their little five-minute capsule review, and then we will discuss. So we've sort of figured out a little rough order here of uh, since we've sort of talked a little bit about sort of our views of it. We're going to start out with the Holy Trinity of Scots this time. Starting out with the most sunshiny of all the Scots, <laughs> Mr. Scott Gardner. Scott Sunshine Gardner. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm first. Right. I know. Okay. That was a laugh of wow. hearing something they'd never heard before in their life. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Sunshine day. Everybody <laughs> happy. Um... As far as this movie goes, I think you're pretty. Subject. So th- this is just what what are we doing here? Just a brief little, just a, just a five minute, uh, yeah, little five minute. I, um, okay. Well, I enjoyed it thoroughly. I went into it. I was trying my best to keep my expectations really low, because uh, I was really nervous about the fact that I enjoyed first class so very much it is definitely in my uh in my top five list of favorite comic book movies so this one you know they changed up the director or rather changed back the director to uh to brian singer who uh you know hadn't really impressed me much after x2 although i really you know hold x2 in high regard and they changed the composer back as well to John Ottman, who I really like, but I was uh, incredibly impressed with Hugh Jackman's, or not Hugh Jack, Henry Jackman's rather, uh, score to First Class. So I was nervous about all that and went into this movie thinking, I'm probably just not going to like it as much as First Class and walked out supremely impressed i really enjoyed the movie i can't wait to see it again i've been waiting you know i've been wanting to go see it again um i just hadn't made it yet so i've seen it just the one time but i I did see it when it premiered and uh just i I thoroughly enjoyed it top to bottom i thought it was a really really good movie and not what i was expecting i i liked the little twist the little turns i liked once again uh, the formula that they went for with the movie, and I liked the mix of mutants. Uh, for some reason, they they suddenly went from a mix of mutants in like the first three movies, where I was like, "Nah, it's okay, I guess." To you know, with with first class, and then with this movie, I, I liked the the people that they populated the movie with. Um, I missed the inclusion of Banshee, but beyond that, I liked the little. Uh, you know, some of the characters from first class only got kind of a snippet, you know, just a, a quick mention or, you know, a, one scene or something. But I liked that we touched back on pretty much everybody that was in first class. So I thought that was really good. And it just it was interesting to me because it felt like a natural outgrowth of not just first class, but of the entire franchise, because I'd, I'd heard it described as a sequel of sorts to three different movies in the series, you know, first class, obviously, um, the Wolverine 
and uh, and even um, the last stand. And I can kind of see that in all three instances where it is. It's a continuation of of all of those movies. And you know, it was quite the juggling act to to do a movie like this that takes place in two different eras, that has this huge cast of characters and is trying to serve as some sort of continuation slash sequel of, you know, different uh, sides of the franchise. And I thought that it did an incredibly good job of doing service to all of that. And, uh, and I was thoroughly entertained. I really, really enjoyed the movie. I'm very curious to hear from those in the group that, uh, that are going to naysay the movie. I'm wondering what the, you know what the criticisms are, what the things are that they didn't enjoy about it. Because I I thoroughly enjoyed it. I thought it was really really solid. Um, I I really didn't have any any major qualms with the movie. So yeah, that's my review of it. I I enjoyed it very very much. All right, we're gonna move on to the next Scott, which is Scott Rifen. Oh, I thought I was gonna go last because I thought you were going to. Follow up Gardner okay. with the negativity. No, you're right. You're right. You're right. Okay, so I was the final Scott in the hole. Scott McGregor, you, you are Scott you are pyramid. the final Scott. You're correct. I'm I'm the tip of the Scott pyramid. Getting ahead of myself, yeah, or behind Prime myself. I don't even know where I am or who I am. All right, Anywho. Scott McGregor, you're up. Um, well, you asked me what my mutant power was, and uh, I think it might be the power to be cynical about a movie that I should like just adore. Um, because like Scott is pretty much in like my top five, uh, you know, uh, comic storylines of all time, um, is pretty close to being my introduction to the X-Men. I mean, in general, um, Days of Future Past. Yeah. I mean, it was right around then and I started like seriously buying one title and, you know, and trying to catch up with older, older, um, issues and stuff. And X-Men ultimately became my benchmark, you know. Uh, comic that I collected through the years and the various, you know, nine dozen offshoots of it that took my entire paycheck. Um, anywho, though, so I'm, uh, you know, this is where I get to be, unfortunately, a, a hypocrite on one of these shows because I've always been kind of along uh, when we've done some of these, the guy that says, you know, oh, you just got to kind of let your fandom go and seeing these movies and, you know, enjoy it for what it is. And I found myself less able to do that with this one than I have other properties. Um, as its own thing, as a movie, it's a great action movie, great uh, you know performances all the way around, particularly with the first class uh, cast. You know, it was mostly written for for McAvoy and, and Fassbender to shine, and they definitely did that. Um, you know, Jackman was still you know the perfect. Wolverine prop that we've seen in all of the movies, basically, except for First Class, and um, he does it well, but just personally, I'm a little sick of it, you know, being the Wolverine show, so it's actually good to see Magneto and Xavier get a lot more dialogue time than, than actually Wolverine did in this one. Um, the effects were great, I mean, definitely, I, I didn't see a Jack the Giant Killer, was it, that... Uh, Singer did, but I'd heard bad things about the special effects. Um, I don't know, you know, if they're true or not, but uh, he definitely hired some good people for this one because they were, you know, just off the rails, awesome. Um, as I said, I mean, I, I was pretty scared about them adapting this um, 
when I first heard about it because, as I said, I knew I'm a little too attached to the property and I, I had low expectations, I guess. And as far as my expectations going in is what kind of movie you said, it, they were exceeded in that it was a better movie as in the way it was put together and the acting that I thought it would be. But my nitpicks about it are, are many, and we'll go into more of them later. But um, I can't say I hated it. I can't say I loved it, though. I'm kind of in the middle. Um, I, I enjoyed the experience of going to see it immensely, but um, it's one of those things that has fallen apart as I think more about it and read other reviews about it that kind of make me go it's like yeah that is kind of how i feel so. they're poisoning you they are you know I, you. I read too much but the internet's poisoning you oh no doubt this is the nature of our addiction <laughs> we have to watch all the movies in a vacuum and just never read anything about them afterwards all right so scott number three scotty rifon we're back uh, why why do I keep paying to go see X-Men movies? Uh, you know, I like the first one a lot. I'm the one guy, usually that's, I start a lot of sentences with, I'm the one guy. Uh, I'm the one guy that did not like X2. Um, I have a basic premise issue with X2. And the premise of X2 is... We shouldn't fear the mutants. We shouldn't. There's nothing harmful about the mutants. Don't worry about the mutants at all. And then somebody very easily takes control of one mutant and nearly uses them to kill every single non-mutant on the planet. But because the plan is stopped, everybody applauds and goes, wow, you're right. The mutants aren't harmful after all. Yay. We should get along with these guys. And at the end of X2, I was going, what are you talking about? The, the alarmists were all right. We, we got to get rid of these guys. And so it didn't sit well with me because it just, it, it was a faulty premise to me. Um, you know, X3 is X3. It's, it is what it is. I uh, didn't care for either of the Wolverine movies. So why did I go see it? Well, first class redeemed a lot of it. I only went to, and I'll tell you, cause I had about given up on X-Men movies. First class uh, redeemed it for me by virtue of the fact that they, they shot it here. And that's the only reason I went to see it. Uh, there are, guys, by the way, there are palm trees on the beach of Cuba that were blue screened in that I was standing about 100 feet away from. How's that for some trivia? Because <laughs> um, I was, I was one day they just set up a camera in the middle of downtown Brunswick and dropped a giant blue tarp from the side of an empty building and put a bunch of palm trees in front of it and started shooting them for background plates. And I stood there and watched them shoot that. But anyway, uh, First Class was a really good film. And I wasn't expecting that, to tell you the truth. In fact, what we were hearing, because I had, again, because they were shooting a lot of it here, uh, I had people on the ground telling me that, you know, if Matthew Vaughn didn't have money tied up into it, his own money tied up into some of it, they'd have booted him. Because the studio was that unhappy with how the movie was going. And you got to remember, they were still shooting in January. They were here shooting in January when that movie was coming out that summer. And they were shooting effect sequences here in January when that movie was supposed to come out during the summer. So they were, there were some scheduling issues. And I, I didn't expect much of First Class because of that and was blown away by it. So that was me going, okay, I'm, I'm good with it. I'm going to go again. Wolverine last summer didn't, didn't really get me very enthusiastic, but I saw the opportunity to see first class continued. I will tell you, I thoroughly enjoyed this X movie. 
could I nitpick? Absolutely, I could nitpick all day long. But I liked the look of the characters. I liked the production design of the overall. I liked the story they told. I thought they nailed the 70s for the most part. Um, I will say that I'm glad they didn't do a straight-up adaptation because if they'd gone by a Chris Claremont script, they'd still be talking to this day from the first screening. Um, The CG Sentinels weren't that impressive to me. I'd rather have a little more classic Sentinel look. Um, I got a little annoyed at some of the political asides. They made sure to show you that Richard Richard Nixon is the most cowardly, deplorable, despicable human being ever, but they also had to take time to tell you that John F. Kennedy was the next stage in human evolution. Uh, the biggest beef I would have with the film is it's some, I, I get why they changed the perspective of the film from Kitty Pride to Wolverines because Kitty Pride could not, uh, it didn't exist during the time frame they had to send Wolverine back to the way they reframed the film. Uh, but at some point we have to have an X-Men movie that is not told purely from Wolverine's point of view. At some point that's gotta happen. Uh, that having been said, I thought this was a fine film and it really felt like uh, it felt like a good relaunch and it's kind of the way relaunches should be done. They didn't throw everything away. They had two different kind of X-Men timelines. They had to meld together and they did it. And now we can move forward with both of those and everybody should be happy. So in the overall, I enjoyed the film very much. It was one of the best. It was one of the, I'd say it's at least a top two X-Men film for me. The end. Awesome. All right, Paul Spataro, Doctor No. Are you gonna? Uh, no, I'm I'm Doctor. Pretty much over it, man. No, I am Doctor. Pretty much enjoyed it. Uh-huh. Uh, I guess with these movies and Scott Scott, uh, uh, which Scott is it again? Uh, oh yeah, Scott Gardner. Uh, he touched on on uh, expectations, and I think that's really what it comes down to. His expectations were low, and it helped him to enjoy the movie. And I had a similar experience with that because I do think there were things to nitpick. Uh, I'm sure we're going to get into the best sequence in the entire movie uh, that that had Quicksilver in it. But when you think yes. about it, it, it kind of crumbles in on itself that the whole reason that that sequence, ex- sequence exists was to fr- free Magneto so that he could help them. But really what happened is they freed Magneto so that he could be the real antagonist through the whole movie and take the what they were going to do and make it much, much more difficult. So it does kind of crumble on itself when you start looking at the logic behind the movie. But for all my doubts going into this, I excuse me. <clears throat> I thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, I thought there were going to be too many mutants, too many things going on on the screen, difficult to follow. Uh, I did not like what Brian Singer did on Superman. I do not like Brian Singer as a person from everything I can pick up from him. So I was almost rooting against him in some ways. Uh, but despite all of that, I went in and I let myself be immersed in the movie, and I just thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, my biggest negative was I'm at the point now where when the movie ends, I really look forward to the post credit sequence to get excited about what's to come. And I thought the post credit sequence kind of fell flat on this one. But aside from that, I really enjoyed this movie and I'm going to leave all the other specifics from when we get into the, uh, into the discussion at large. And if I have time left on my five minutes, I will gladly donate it to my friend, Dr. Bill, because I think he's going to have a lot more to say. Ooh. 
All right. Well, now we get into the Chris section of the show. We'll start out with the hair metal hero. All right. Um, again, I'm one of those people that uh, when First Class came out, I did not see it in the theater. What a mistake that was. Uh, but I snapped it up as soon as it hit video, and uh, it instantly became my favorite of the X-Men films, just for uh, partially just because, you know, oh, a superhero movie set when it actually originally took place in the comics um you can't you can't fault the acting in that or the effects i mean that movie was just a ton of fun um i'm a big fan of the x-men movies in general uh origin the wolverine origins movie is really the only one where i go yeah i don't really think i ever need to watch that again um but uh i was really looking forward to days of future past just because of the breath of fresh air that first class was um i do not hold the two issues of the comic that is titled days of future past up as some uh bar that you know everything should aspire to it's a it's a good story it's also where the center started to fall apart in the x-men universe in the comics because of all the scattered timelines so to me uh they just use the title it, it, i have no ill will about them using the title they could have called it x-men seven the gang's back together for another ride and i wouldn't have cared uh, that being said, I loved all the performances in it. I liked all the effects in it. Um, I really, really, really like Mystique for many obvious reasons. Um, <laughs> Bluebies. Um, I think what this one, in terms of action, I don't think they were setting out to make some fantastic action picture with this one. This one, to me, is way more of a, of a personal drama. Um, it eschewed some of the more uh, high fluting, uh, you know, action sequences in terms of let's tell a story about the ideas of Magneto and Charles and Mystique and whether or not we're doomed to, to end up being wiped off the face of the planet. Um, and I liked that change of pace. There is no tremendous climactic action sequence at the end of this movie it's a, a ending that's all dialogue for the most part and uh, i really enjoyed that um <clears throat> i think the best thing about the the movie overall though is that it really does set a tone now where you can pretty much do anything you want in any era of the x-men and it's it's all going to be valid if they want to tell another story in the past, which I believe Apocalypse is going to take place in the 80s. So we're probably going to get both casts again, which is fine by me. Um, I just I just want to see where it goes. I have no problem with the continuity in these movies. It's they're adapting X Men, and the X Men is full of continuity craziness. Yeah. You know, so I don't really care about that. I just want to be entertained by the story. And the action when it's there, and the action that was in this was very good, um, but I think it is a far more deliberate uh, piece of filmmaking uh, just to tell a good story, which is what I think it did. Um, and honestly, I mean, I know people are complaining about Wolverine being it. He didn't do a goddamn thing in this movie. He walked around. It was not Wolverine's movie, so I had no problem with him going back in time. I just uh, I want to see more of... Uh, both Ian McKellen and Patrick Stewart and McAvoy and Fassbender and everybody get the band back together as many times as you can before the old guys die. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
Okay, next is me. I I don't know if I would say I went into this with high expectations, but I definitely went into it really psyched because for once, um, I felt pretty prepared to see this movie. Like I we just had X Men months, so I'd watched all the movies right up until this one, and I think it was in the last year that we did the Get Chris to read a goddamn comic for Days of Future Past, and. Uh, so I was familiar with all the material that that was going to be going on. So I, which is not usually the case at all, and I think actually helps me like a lot of the movies a lot more than other people, even when they like it, because I have no knowledge of what they're, they're what continuities are messing up or characters are getting wrong or anything like that. But in this case, I was even I got more than I expected. I was I was just loving it from front to back there were definitely little little quirks to it like peter dinklage i'm used to seeing him on game of thrones with his natural british accent so he had that very like um he's actually from like new jersey is yeah, he yeah no, say, i don't think he really yeah you see him in interviews he has he has he does not have a british accent because when he's that, speaking in this he's got that very like i am talking with an american accent voice you know what's and it was funny distracting about that. to me well, you know what's funny about that is west us wow when when we were doing the uh, our conversation on this movie for dinner for geeks that was one of the uh, the big complaints Ron had was that he couldn't stand Dinklage's fake American accent. Yes, it sounded fake <laughs> <And> to me. <laughs> I had no clue. It's where I heard him, like, it seemed like he was suppressing, maybe he's so into his Game of Thrones character that he has to suppress an English <laughs> accent or something. I, I have his bio up here. He was born in Morristown, New Jersey. Oh, yeah. my God. But it was distracting me. But, okay, well, that's, that's all on me then. But, um... But he was raised in King's Landing. <laughs> I, I, I did not. Um, raised is not a term that you use with little people, dude. That's just. Hey, hey, hey! I'm right here. <laughs> <laughs> Call him an elf again. <clears throat> well, I'm glad I'm hosting this because I won't count all this from my five minutes. Oh, this counts. <laughs> so, I. I did not expect it to follow the comic book because um, I just noticed that all these movies just sort of generally are doing, you know, their own movie continuity and trying to satisfy all the different eras and stuff and and make just sort of a general homogenous X-Men movie continuity. So I appreciate that. I only had one quibble as far as in a time travel movie it's usually a whole pile of them my only quibble is when they sent wolverine back in time instantly things should have changed there should that it shouldn't have been like a real time when he was experiencing traumatic things in the past and and his claws come out that shouldn't have happened because once you send someone in the past it all happens in a ripple effect so better or worse if it changes everything, so it should be instantaneous. But see, that's the trouble with quibbles, is that's not necessarily. I mean, no time travel movie does that. To Back to the Future didn't do that. Right, right. Well, I know. Yeah. But also, exactly. let's let's be fair here. None it of us have actually traveled in time, so we don't know that that's what happens. <laughs> no. Speak but, uh, for yourself. 
Hey, I've been around the longest. <laughs> you know, so I, technically I, you are a time traveler. In my own way. Yes. <laughs> we all are. But, you know, all we are is dust in the wind. Man. Anyway. <laughs> this counts for five minutes, by the way. I thought <laughs> I thought this movie was a great synthesis of the old school X-Men and the the you know first class version although it really was more of the first class type thing and it did the sort of Forrest Gump history but I th- you see I I always take any appearance of Nixon no matter how they portray, portray him as being a bonus and so it had bonus Nixon it had bonus Star Trek and it had bonus Sanford and Son music. Yeah. So all those things really helped to hear it to me. I'm sorry. I really wasn't thinking Garage Sale Gloat when that came on. Oh, of course. I'm in the movie yeah. theater and it's just like I'm enjoying this movie and all of a sudden there's my song playing. Hey, For no reason. Why, Why? you know, it had nothing to do with anything, but they had to throw on Sanford and Son because... Oh, well, the guard at the Pentagon liked it. Yeah, in the Pentagon, no, no less. And I love Fastbinder as Magneto, so any you know opportunity to pull him out and go. You know, I thought, I think Hugh Jackman's a little bit restrained, but at whatever. I just had a riot through it. it. It was a really good synthesis of a of a few really nice set pieces with special effects, but the basis of the movie was interaction with the characters and their and you know the personal drama, which. You could make it really boring, but was actually really well done, and without making it too convoluted or trying to like, it was still comic book drama, but it was good comic book drama. It flowed, and and I I was along with it the the whole time. So I I had a great <coughs> movie going experience with this. I was you know I was jumping up and and just generally enjoying it. I have. Really, no bitter complaints. Which is our segue to Dr. Stone, paging Dr. Stone, Dr. Bill. <clears throat> All right. A little parade going here, Dr. Stormcloud. <laughs> Stormcloud. All right. Thank you uh, to my esteemed colleague from Long Island, Mr. Spataro, for allotting me some time. <laughs> oh, that's right. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, next the, three minutes. Okay. The delegate from Long Island yield his time. <laughs> Friends, Romans, <laughs> listeners, lend me your MP3 players. I've not come here to praise Days of Future Past. I've come here to bury it. No, I haven't come here to bury it. I only want to bury part of this movie because I think I came into this movie with way too high of an expectation. Uh, like Scott. When I saw, and the other Scott, uh, and I believe actually everybody that's talked about first class, that they all liked it. Starts, begins, by the way. <laughs> Scott, Scott Cubed, as Scott Cubed had said, and Chris Squared, and I think Paul, um, <laughs> just Paul. <laughs> um, Am I Ron? Um, <laughs> 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 uh, I did not I did not see Days of Future Past in the theater and I am really sad that I didn't because I wish I had because I, I, I when I first saw it on TV I was like wow this is great and I love the score from that 
everything about that movie was was awesome. But that's not the movie I want to talk about. Are you talking about First Class? Yes. Yeah. Oh, okay. I was going to say, yeah. where'd you watch uh, Days of Future Past on TV? Sorry, sorry. But I liked First Class. Now, maybe that pumped me up too much for Days of Future Past. To me, if all the time travel portion had been excised and we just dropped the whole Days of Future Past name and just had a 1970s Magneto and the Mutants versus the Sentinels movie, I would have been happy. I didn't like the mixing of the timelines. I'm getting tired of timelines in movies, of time travel. I don't, not fond of it in Star Trek. Don't like where that's gone. I'm, I'm sick of time travel. But yet I like Doctor Who. <laughs> so right there, I'm a contradiction. I'm a little sensitive about things going through wormholes these days. Yeah, especially <laughs> cameras. Ooh. And when I saw Days of Future Past, I believe my mutant power was starting to manifest. So I was already a little cranky going into the movie. So that, I mean, I just wish when this movie was done, I was not, I was just kind of sat there. It was just like, well, there's no, I felt like there was no consequences because from everything that happened from that point in the 70s to the future, where Wolverine comes back and talks to Professor X, which that shot right there, could they get any closer to Patrick Stewart's head? My God, the guy's entire noggin filled the screen. And I'm just like, come on, man, you're a close talker. Back up, prof. You know, back that wheelchair up a couple feet. You're just way too close to me. It was no longer a wheelchair. Well, the hover chair, whatever the hell it was. And where do they get a hover chair in the dystopian future of it? See, now I'm I'm not going to nitpick. I'm not going to nitpick. Costco. I can no <laughs> price that. Forge built it, but he's already Forge dead. Forge is dead. But so we know everybody is everything's honky dory now, and everything's happy in, in the future up to that point that this movie ends. So if the next movie is going to be in the '80s, where's the consequence for any of the characters that we have seen? There is none. They're going to have to introduce new characters, which is all I think they're going to be able to do. And I guess that way they they can expand what they're going to do. I, I just felt cheated or robbed with the whole time travel thing. And and is is Rich Little still alive? Could we have got yes. a better fucking Nixon? That was that was exactly it. Was Rich Little as Nixon? You're right. That Rich was Little, not Rich. The Little. worst ever. So don't even go there. What? Rich what? Little was great. Rich Little sucks. What? Oh hey! Oh my God! Uh, get get the guy that played Nixon in Doctor Who. Get him. Get anybody. Man. The guy they had playing Nixon was awful, awful. And plus, I mean, <laughs> just pulled me. I there's so many things in this movie that pulled me out of the movie into the real world. Going, God, I hate that. God, I hate that. But I still liked overall the 70s sequence, and I wish we just had a 70s movie. I didn't need time travel. Didn't need it. I didn't want it. And that disappointed me in this movie. That was my big sticking point. Because now it's like, now I don't but even how, think how did you go into this movie not knowing that it was going to be a time travel story? Even the no, original no, no, no. source I knew material that. I is knew a time that. travel story. I, I knew that, and I understand it. And my, I'm telling you, when I went in, my expectations were high. And that's what I said. Maybe I was I was just... They, I, it, it makes me worried about how I feel about Guardians of the Galaxy. Because I'm excited to see that. And I don't want to be disappointed again like this. So I guess it's I need to lower different my studios, dude. Maybe that's part of the part, part of the issue. I I don't know. Yes. I, I I don't know. I just was not. 
for me to try to defend everything, I'll be here all night because actually I had a long rant with this movie uh, the other night with someone. Um, actually, he hasn't even seen it yet. I don't want to sell him out. <laughs> he's he's not here with us, obviously. But uh, I, I I don't know. That's it's just I was so frustrated and not happy with with, with, with this. And you know, I maybe it's because of my mutant power that was starting to manifest. And I was like, can we just get the movie over, please? I need to go to the bathroom. <laughs> I got some stones to pass. Like Scott Reif on that uh, uh, Winter Soldier, right? Yeah, I was Other thinking than, like, the same thing. Or something. No, I uh, I had a, a perfect storm when I saw Winter Soldier, which was I had been up for 20-something hours, uh, almost 30, I think, at that point. Uh, I was having a major allergy attack, and during the film, work called, I think, four times. Mm. Which, uh, you know, and I can't not take work's call. Right. I mean, I have to take those phone calls. So, at the end of the movie, I was going, gee, I didn't really care for this film. But you have to think there were probably some circumstances that played into it. And I would think anything tickling your urethra <laughs> could probably be a contributing factor. Yeah, good or bad. Plus, I'm not sure tickling is the word. Apparently, no one here is into sounding. Is running through it. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, it. it, uh, You know, I mean, there there was a lot of good stuff in it. You know, and we we can start getting in in, into that. I I thought Quicksilver was was pretty good, and I'm going to be interested to see how this affects Quicksilver in the Avengers. What they're going to do with his power over there, Avengers, because he was so good in this movie. So I mean, uh, you guys can you guys can start ripping me up now if you want. I'll just shoot stones at you. I think the stones <laughs> are ripping you up enough. <laughs> oh, maybe I should uh, start by reinforcing the Doctor Bill because, yeah, the time travel. I mean, yeah, going in, I knew it was a time travel story, and I do agree with actually Chris's, you know, theory on X Men future physics, and that there should be no future line after. You know, they don't really adequately explain why Kitty Pride has to hold on to his head the whole time he's in the past. Or why she has a superpower that she's never had before. Yeah, well, yeah, though, that's, that's a little gonna, lower on the list of my I got the impression but... that they were just like, that was like something that happened over time as you started developing secondary powers yeah, and stuff. Yeah, well, in, well, in the original comics, it was, which would have been, I think, a great, if you're going to bring back spoiler alert on gene and scott at the end of the movie and everything's fixed i think it would have been awesome for them to use rachel summers instead of kitty pride to send people back in time you know in the first place yeah i had the same thought yeah yeah Yeah, Yeah. that would have been establishing a new character though i think they were just trying to go with the familiar well you know we're trying to work everybody into it so bringing in time to have rachel though if they were Ah, who knows dead I don't know. I'm I'm just saying. Instead of completely, you know, say what what the fuck? Why is, can Kitty do that? But well, once we saw how time travel worked in the beginning, when all the deaths happened at at the end, they had no power for me. Uh, it was just like, okay, well, yeah, okay. It, all these deaths are great, and oh, they're all dying in fan, you know, magnificent and fantastic ways. But we know it's all going to be. I mean, okay, yeah, I I know they're not going to kill them off, but still. I don't know. Maybe I was just too detached and, and, and I couldn't fully engross myself in the movie and because and, I was just thinking way too much about it. See, I, I thought that beginning sequence was just such a... It was like um, 
reminded me of when I was a kid, and, you know, a James Bond movie or an Indiana Jones movie. It was a good opening set piece of just yeah. Oh, chaos I like the opening set piece, but then when we saw how that worked, oh, the, we just go back in time ten days, and you know, so this doesn't matter. Mm. But right. first, first of all, uh, a lot of the criticisms I've heard over this are that it doesn't faithfully adapt the story, and I would disagree with that because other than the fact that they replaced Kitty Pride with Wolverine, which I've criticized since I first heard it, uh, but other than that. The concept behind the story is very, very similar to the original source material. No, because there's an alternate reality. They don't change the future in Days of Future Past. That reality... No, 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 no. But the alternate reality was not created in the Days of Future Past comic. That was later when they revisited it. Yeah. Right. I was just going to say, that was a retcon. Yeah, that... Mm-hmm. And, and, and the, originally it, it wiped it out or, so, or made it to where well, it never happened. No, I don't happened, think they even go right? back to it. I, I, I think that they go back and they don't know what happens. Is that the way the comic ends? The original two is that they don't really know the if they succeed the original in the stays, future? stays with the current continuity that they stopped Senator Kelly from getting killed. But, but right. also in the original source material, they all get killed. Colossus gets killed and Storm gets killed. Yeah. And, and, and we know that that's not going to stick because they changed... Things and, and you know they were successful in their mission, <coughs> which I know it makes me a sick bastard. But I really wanted to see you know Wolverine oh, get yeah. blasted down to nothing <laughs> but adamant. Yeah, I thought we were gonna get that, that too, and that would have really raised an entire grade for me if they had just done that for me. You know, I, in this movie, <laughs> I sort of when they when they announced it, I sort of thought that they probably picked that storyline just so they could do that. Well, yeah. I was just sort of assuming They practically did it in next 3. I mean, Phoenix practically blasted him to pieces. Right. You should Mm -hmm. just take it to the next level. But I wanted to see him, yeah, flying through the air and just have his body disintegrated around. Yeah, we didn't even get a a fastball special in this one, I don't think, did we? No. No, Blink did one, though, with uh, Colossus. Yeah, now look, the Blink effects are possible. And I, I really don't have a problem with them changing from the continuity of the comics, you know, I've always been the champion of that. It's like, it's just somebody oh. else's interpretation, you know, so you got to kind of realize think, that they're going to be... Where do you find pink this? eyeliner and hair dye in a dystopian future? It's genetic. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, it's genetic. Okay. It's part of their mutation. <laughs> but, um, it's, t- it's tattooed on. Well, that's what I thought with the guy who had the radiation signals, symbols turning on his hand. Shingles. Radiation signals. Radiation radiation. it's and and they turned it's just like really your genetics were like this is the united states (laughs) symbol for (laughs) radioactivity no his 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 character is because those powers are derived not those aren't well in the comics those powers are derived by the person that tattoos him oh Like like he can like his power well in the comics, the guy that has the tattoos is not a mutant. It's the mutant that tattooed him, and the tattoos are the power. Oh. And, like, that one was he's able to make somebody that's sick bizarre. because it's, like, the biohazard look. Yeah, or yeah, that's, yeah. that's what the tattoo was, and he made those guys puke with it. So yeah, I guess was, if I ta- tattoo lovely. little stones on my hand, I can, you know, give you guys kidney stones. So I'm waving my hand at the screen now. Yeah. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> In reverse. <laughs> I, I, oh, go ahead. I, no, I was just going to say, I appreciated the fact that, uh, you know, when the time stream changed at the end of it and they showed Professor X at the end, he'd gotten over his insecurities and become a best selling science fiction author. 
the author of <laughs> Magnet Space, which I thought and was And he had fantastic. Magneto out waxing his coat. Yeah, <laughs> just finishing the second coat now. But can can we get to my nitpick a little bit? Is why did they bother freeing Magneto? Yeah, no, well, that was all he did was become place. the antagonist. Did well, Future Magneto know that, know I, that I'll give you a... Magneto was going to do that? That's what I'm thinking. Why he was so adamant? Oh, you oh, have to go need need me too. Yeah, I'm going to shoot. Oh, oh, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Well, I'll give you a bigger nitpick is how in the hell did in the 1970s did they manage to capture magneto in the first place i was very confused I, by I, that i took yeah. as well actually they caught him not in the 70s in the 60s because they caught yeah. him at the kennedy assassination, kennedy assassination. And, and what came out was they accused him of doing the assassination meanwhile he said he was trying to save kennedy but because they attacked him he wasn't able to save him so the way I read into that is he was at the scene of the assassination. He was trying to save Kennedy, and he must have, while distracted trying to do that, he must have been attacked from behind. You know, maybe they hit him in the, over the head with a stick or something. Who knows? I got gotcha. you. It was the comedian. <laughs> He's a good shot. But it, but I, I do think it was a clever p- plot point yeah, to have the magic bullet being affected by Magneto, and that's why the bullet I, did the twist and turn. Yeah. Right, because of course, lead is definitely affected by magnetism. <laughs> maybe it was a silver bullet. Maybe it was. Maybe it was Lone Ranger. Maybe it was. Well, you know, Chris. Chris and I discussed that in one of the commentaries we did. I think it was the one for first class yeah. because there were a lot of things. Most like- coins are not magnetic either, is is my understanding, and so. Nah. We had come to the idea that maybe what Magneto, even though his name is Magneto, you know, Magnet, uh, that maybe it's it's literally he's controlling metal as opposed to controlling magnetic forces. Well, I mean, that's in- kind of a stupid no prize, but it's the only thing I can think of. Because you're right, yeah. he does often bend and control metals in these movies that are not magnetic metals. Yeah. So, so the know, mutant team didn't know. <laughs> now, now, my my uh, my metal knowledge is lacking. Is silver affected <laughs> by magnets? No. Because I think I'm back in the forties, they you know silver dollars were really made of silver, and maybe you know maybe what I don't even know what coin he used to put through uh, Shaw's head. It was a Nazi. If you're going for it was a Nazi coin of some kind, yeah, if you're going for solid silver. Any you know a quarter from sixty four or earlier. So yeah, I mean the it, the the metal used has changed over the years. They've gotten cheaper. So maybe well, back in the science already. Wow, we're in trouble. Well, you speaking see, of metal, the, oh. I, I think the, all these movies, especially in the main mutant, and not you know not like the side movies, like the Wolverine movies as much, but the main storyline ones always sort of have that theme of the Magneto method versus Xavier method. And yes. so they have to have, it's part of the whole plot. And they also sort of have, I don't know if it's a theme or if it's just a major, you know, Magneto down, pretty much downfall, ends but, up being right ultimately. Though. Well, he's always, he's right. It's just what he's willing to do to yeah. follow up on his, what he thinks is always what's sketchy. And they always, and, and always in this movie, it, he takes it too far when he's, <laughs> he's going to, um, Shoot Rogue. Is it Rogue? Yeah. No, Mystique. Or Mystique. Mystique. He's going to shoot Mystique. And that was a cool sequence where the bullet follows her out the window. 
Yeah, where he sort of pulls a trigger while it's knocked out of his hand. It's still yeah. sort of in the air. But um, that's that's his point where, you know, and they always have that point in the movie where he's got the same goal, but he's willing to just cold-bloodedly kill somebody. Yeah. Well, the whole, the whole Xavier... I'm sorry, Chris, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I thought you were done. But that, yeah, but I think they just had that to have a consistent... They also have a consistent... The endings sort of consistently have okay, the mutants are out of hot water with the public again, when really, no, it's usually the mutants, you know, mutants have really just almost destroyed the world, you know? Yes. Just because mutants saved it doesn't mean that, you know, nobody wants the world almost destroyed. It gets wasn't, to- wasn't that one of our Godzilla discussions? Well, and it's like I said about X2, I'm on Senator Kelly's side after X2. Yeah, well, they, that, that's the thing is, is that it's not... Uh, is black or white? But it was a human issue. that you know perpetrated the uh, the att- the mutant attack in X two. So. Right, yeah, but it, they still used a mutant to kill one mutant to very easily yeah. almost kill every non mutant. The, the thing is, the the motivations and why yeah. it happened doesn't really matter because the the repercussions are the world could almost get destroyed or every human could just yeah. almost get killed. And whether, you know, that, that, that's when the government start thinking, well, every mutant, most mutants might be really nice people, but they could extinguish all the life on the planet, you know, at yeah. any time. And, yeah, we're getting sick of it. It's making the kids, you know, grumpy. Oh, X3, you know, he moved the, uh, the Golden Gate Bridge over to <laughs> Yeah, that was a, the taxpayers. It's going to take a little engineering. The taxpayers fix. could not have been happy about <laughs> that. Or, <laughs> now, that, that took a tremendous amount of criticism in the movie, that, that he did that, and, it, you know, it, it wasn't something that was somehow realistic, as if any of this is realistic. Right. But how is that any different than him picking up a baseball stadium and putting it over with? Yeah. That was, that was how is it any different? You see, well, what I think was different was I think a lot of people didn't like the transition. I mean, from from Singer, who's a solid director, but a, not a very has a doesn't have a strong personality about him, yeah. but is is a good director. To Ratner, who's a who's a competent director who has absolutely zero personality to him, and was sort of copying trying to copy Singer's style. Singer has well, a style. Maybe it that's made, because Singer bailed on the movie. Well, I think it, it, it made, you know, the critics were like, I'm not enjoying this movie as much as the other ones, so they were a little harsher on... Because that was... I rem- I didn't see that movie till last month, and I remember one of the... Thi- uh, what I really remembered about it all the time was uh, the ending was rushed, and that the Golden Gate Bridge sequence is just so ridiculously patently stupid that it was just distracting. And I thought it was pretty cool, yeah. <laughs> actually, when I saw I it. Too. it was... Well, let's talk about X3 for just a second. And with what's in, in this, this, this movie, this drug that Xavier takes to suppress his power and that Hank McCoy uses to uh, quell the raging beast that dwells within him, uh, a la the Hulk, um, you know, is that going to become the drug that was used in the future? I mean, or this drug was around all along, and then it suddenly got rediscovered in the later movie? No, because in the later movie, it was it was made from that young boy who had that was his mutant power. Right, but yet they had this drug there. Okay, yeah, that's right. It did come from from there, but it's like this drug was here back in the seventies. 
And then, uh, I well, don't know. Hank started on it in the 60s when he took the blood from Mystique, though. Yeah. Mm. So it's, I don't, I, you know, I, I just go with it. It was, well, the, the, <laughs> stuff that, the stuff that Professor X had was, I'm just glad that they didn't make it. Mutant a, crack. Yeah, I'm glad that they didn't make it more of a, a drug metaphor, you know. I hated that whole story. I, I well, I didn't. Right? I did. I wasn't exact. I didn't. Wasn't really too fond of it when it started up. But they didn't play it for what I thought they were gonna play it for, so it didn't bother me. But I thought they were gonna play it towards, you know, Professor X having to overcome his drug addiction, and you know, they just waited till the right point in the story where it was like, hey, look, you gotta get, you know, I get, get how it together, and then he does it, you know, as like a narrative to, you know, Professor. Xavier has to choose between his legs and his powers, you know, and that. Don't of... let's not talk about between Professor Xavier's legs. <laughs> well, that's the captain's yeah, I don't, It just felt forced uh, in order to give you know Beast some non-blue screen time, well, that actor, and to let James McAvoy walk around I, for most of the movie. I thought it was a sort of a plot thing, and then I was like, because it was going to be like, oh, it's like a drug addiction thing, but then it was more like, no, it was more about how of him him being not able to control his powers. His powers had kept growing and he got to the point where he was Yeah, he was broken. Dealing with it, you know. Yeah. And it obviously took a toll on him because he was not a happy camper on that. And I'm glad they played it for that rather than that it was like, No, I need the serum, blah 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 and and it it was brief. You yeah. know, it just sort of it just sort of when this plot gets rolling. No, they hinted at it, but yeah, they did it very, you know, they wrapped it up quick. Well, do, do you guys think that um, that did did Magneto, I, I don't think he reprogrammed the Sentinels. I think he just inserted the metal in them and was moving them around like puppets. Like, that's what I, was, I concur. That's what I got out of it. That's because yep. at one point he, he, he lets it go and says, Go fulfill your programming, or do what you were programmed to do. And when it goes to hunt down the beast, um, but now I don't remember the scene exactly in the movie, but I know he's he's behind the train cars, and the rail uh, the railroad ties are ripped up, and then he rips them apart and he inserts them. But I don't think he's actually, and, and this is probably nitpick. He's, I don't think he's actually looking at them. So how could he see where to place all that metal? Yeah, I don't know because it's... I, well, that whole that whole thing was just you gotta you just gotta go with it. Yeah. You just gotta because yeah. even if I was just like, what he knows, you know, the complex, you know, uh, I don't know in the seventies or what chips were and stuff like that, or how you know the advanced government robots would work. But I know that if you were just gonna like stick some metal in there and and reprogram them, you would have to be. <laughs> A genius. <laughs> I think it was just they were marionettes. They work from top to bottom, like a as a scientist, and he's a smart guy, and he's got away with metal. So I, all I could think of was he was marionetting him. Yeah, he was. yeah. That's what I thought. At any time, he could have just ripped all the metal out of him and destroyed them, or he could have, you know, when he decided to let go of his grasp on him, they were gonna go do what they were gonna do. Yeah, and I mean, I see. I'm just so much. I'm so much more forgiving. There's, there's a million things like, you know, questions that 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 can come up in, in all of this. But 
if you make the characters believable to me at that moment while I'm watching it and make the action sequences work and you know the humor work where the, where they needed there was a good balance of humor and where they put that in it worked um it just it just makes me so much more willing to overlook questions of like so why weren't those robots like trying to you know doing what he said but being a little herky jerky about it cuz they were trying to you know fight yeah somebody else or or something like that so did anybody want to see more Boulevard Trask more Peter Dinklage find out that he actually was a mutant? No. No? No. I I don't understand why he was a creepy goddamn midget in this movie in the first place. I hate that shit. It's because of Game of Thrones. See, I think they should have removed the hip 70s medallion that he had hidden under the shirt, and he grew into a full-size guy. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, jeez. Well, because I thought I've just seen reviews point out the fact that, um, you know, dwarfism, I guess, the proper name for it still, or whatever, right, is actually technically a mutation, so his little device should have been detecting him all along. Oh, but. yeah, but <laughs> but here's the, thi- here's the thing, it, and this was in the 70s, yeah. and everybody was reacting to him like they would now, which is, you, you see a midget, and or dwarf, or whatever, I prefer midget, because it just sounds so cute. <laughs> a run. You see a run, okay? And you go, oh my god! And and these days, just whatever. He's he's given his speech, and you d- nobody mentions anything. In the seventies, they'd be like, "Hey, shorty," you know. There'd be especially those government guys, you know, would have just been like, "Short people." Yeah, they would have been nobody, and you know, and just been like, "Hey, it's all." In- That's why he created the fucking Sentinels. <laughs> and like, they I'll, I'll show you. They compensation. A, a less. You better be careful, man, because one of them is going to show up and want to kick your calf. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, it's going to be me. <laughs> oh, hero! I forgot you were here. Oh, yeah, shit. you're about two pubes taller than me, Honeywell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> but I mean, they acknowledged it was less politically correct times. As soon as Wolverine looks outside, the first thing you see is like a giant billboard of like the Marlboro Man having <laughs> a giant, yeah. you know, smoke rings in uh, Times Square. After you got to see his naked ass. Yeah, that was that was really necessary to the plot. That was that. <laughs> of course it was. But you know what? If I worked out as hard as he worked out, I'd be showing my ass off. Oh, yeah. He probably had that in the contract. Yeah. That was probably part of the negotiations for getting him in there. And. And while I could have lived without that, this the next scene where the guys walk in, though, I was impressed because that looked like footage right out of a seventies. Yes, it though. did. Yeah. I mean, oh, really and the car was great. Authentic. Yeah. Well, they they're very good with this one and the last one of not. I mean, you could have just like, and they they actually did have a pimp walking down the street or somebody in a pimp suit, you <laughs> know, walking down the street when Wolverine first walks out. But they could have made it, you know. That that just super yeah, you know people's idea of what the seventies are, and they know they 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 made it look like a real seventies, especially yeah when you got out there and the cars were in the street. I think they even added a little like smudgy smog from the air because back in those days there was more exhaust smog in in all in yeah. New York City, and yeah, and they. 
you know, I think the most blatantly like kind of like crazy seventies thing was the um, they showed a what 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 the hell are those um, lava lamps? Oh well, yeah, you woke up. Yeah. To a but lava that, lamp that but, was... but that was cool because yeah. they made it sort of. You were sort of <laughs> thinking that was the effect of time travel. It was sort mm. of the wee 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 effect, but it turned out to be an actual lava lamp. I I thought they did it really well. I thought. It was weird because I expected this movie to be like half and half the the old X-Men and then the first class X-Men. But it was really the first class yeah. with just bookends of, um, you know, the the original characters. I thought they did a good, a Which good job. Which is how it should have been done. That's how the comic book was. Yeah. Basically. There was a lot less of the future world than I think we thought there was. I would have liked to have seen a little more lead up a little more world building in the future world. Um, I thought they did a pretty good job with the intro sequence, but it was the Terminator all the way. Yeah. I mean, this said the sicko comic, uh, you know, purist in me wanted to see the whole graveyard with, you know, everyone's names on it. Yeah. Yeah. uh, Oh, I'm surprised they didn't show like, yeah. Well, then maybe they just thought they didn't. I mean, they could have thrown a bunch of mutant names on there in the comics. I mean, you actually had Mr. Fantastic and Benjamin Grin and everything on, on them too, you know, and, and Rachel was dating Franklin Richards, but, uh, you know, they can't use those in the next Ben movie yet. But, um, yeah, I had no problem with the quality of this film. It's just, I said, it's my own hangups about how much, not even how much they deviated from the original source, but how much I think they deviated from the spirit of some of the characters. And that's been kind of my problem with almost all the X-Men movies. I've loved parts of all the X-Men movies. and They have so many characters they can only focus on. I mean, Storm doesn't, Storm's yeah. never gotten and a And that bugged to... me too. That just all felt but... forced. And I mean, you kind of got to have Storm, but they just threw in so many, you know, people that I knew would get no, you know, not even a line in some cases. You know, just for power shows, basically. And yeah. it's like we have no investment in any of these characters at all. Well, at least she didn't have her line from the first movie. Book fandom. And but that's a, you know, that's a good point, though, Scott. And it's it's where I would disagree with Hero in that Wolverine is always, I mean, regardless of what action he took in the film, he's the POV character. He's the character that we see the movie through, you know, we see the movie through his eyes. And every single x-men movie we do and there are hundreds of mutants yeah uh it, it would be nice to see the movie through another mutant's eyes and whatever you you know whether you love claremont you know claremont x-men to me is like you know scott prime superman you know it's like or his fandom of it and i'm very protective of it um but i mean whatever whether you like claremont stuff or not you know i haven't i'm not up on a lot of the the more recent artists and authors, but I mean, his stuff, it just seemed like any character you saw was, had some dimensions to him. You know, he, he managed to, even if it was just a couple panels, give you some kind of backstory, some kind of, you know, just some sort of idea, something to flesh him out that you actually cared what happened to him within the next few pages. Yeah, but with Claremont in two panels, he would have approximately seventy five hundred words. Yeah, I don't dispute you that. I, yeah, it would have been a three hour movie of Claremont, but I would have been okay well, with that because I love Claremont dialogue. I he, he was in the movie. I, I yeah. think that's, yeah. that's like a complaint that just is sort of a general complaint of the X Men movies. Yeah. And I and I think actually in the last two, 
they've been getting better with that, you know. They've been born, you know, they still have a lot of that, but they don't feel this movie to me didn't seem to feel like it had the need to be like, all right, we have to introduce all these new characters. And when they really did sort of like, here's here's like an introduction of a mutant, which was Quicksilver. Yeah. It was awesome. You it know, was. It was just then, sort of like, all right, so they're bringing in this guy. But then they, you know, they did it basically just to have that set piece with him. But that's, uh, I can't say enough for how that's like one of the greatest comic book set pieces I think oh, I've yeah. ever seen. I mean, I was just like, in the movie theater, I was just like, oh, this is, <laughs> it was the perfect synthesis of a, of a song. And yeah. even that doesn't make sense. How's he listening to that song? <laughs> yeah, how's, yeah. yeah with it, yeah, in the fraction He should have basically heard, yeah. Yeah. you know, that would have been it. Yeah. Yeah. That was my complaint about Unless that, there's yeah. some field surrounding his body that allows things with him to move at the same speed. Yeah, they, yeah. I don't know that's yeah. what he was listening to. I don't, I don't care how they explain it. It was, it was I am just a great see. piece of filmmaking. I, it'll be the, I will, you know what? I will be the naysayer on that scene. It was really? just the Nightcrawler scene all over again. The what? The Nightcrawler uh, scene. Oh, no, but it, but it had humor in it, which Nightcrawler did not. The way the way that this went and the, and the way that it used that bullet time... It was cool, but it just there was something there was something about the, yeah. the the way they timed all the little all his little actions and tap. There was just a beautiful timing to it, and the way I mean, it just you could hear the audience just being sucked right into it and engaged. It was it, it reminded me of the uh, Loki and Hulk scene from the Avengers, yeah. where it just caught everybody. They were just like watching the movie, and then they were just like. Oh my God! This is great. You could feel the energy in the in the theater, and, we, I, and I don't think he was ever listening to that song. I think that was just the music for the scene, because because yeah, a kid that age is not listening to Jim Croce. Let's be right, right. I still maintain that a Pink yeah. Floyd fan would never wear that jacket. But anyway, what, what, what? well, I was curious about that as well. You know, he had the the Pink Floyd, the Dark Side of the Moon shirt on. Were those actually? existent at the time because that seems a little close yeah i mean i know that's yeah. when the album was out but could you literally oh yeah concurrently with the album being out go out to a store and find a yes. shirt for that you could yeah oh yeah yeah i mean okay. there was there was there were actually back in those days there was a lot more marketing for music because you had to you know mm -hmm. you didn't have the internet or mtv or anything so, so you wanted to get it on people's and yeah, and you know, seventies teenage kids—that was the thing. Having a a rock T-shirt was was a big deal. So yeah, he could have conceivably had the. I I mean, they even had old packaging for uh, ding dongs and stuff <laughs> in his room. It was just very nicely done. But then there was other things like you know, I mean, there's you could just the more you think about it, like. He was playing a video game in his room. He's playing Pong. And you see the game going bing, 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 as he's playing himself in the background. It's like, no, that's not how it would go. <laughs> <laughs> he would, you know, he would have to sit there and painstakingly wait for the ball to go across the... Well, I was under the impression that when it came to the arcade machine and to the headphones that he had, that they were, like, custom-built to operate at the speed of his oh, super oh, speed. Okay, maybe. 
Yeah. I mean, I have no basis for that, but that's just Reed Richards could do it. What I took from the film because that scene when he's super speeding around the room and doing everything he's doing, I just kind of thought it was part of the visual language of the movie that no, he was listening to that song that that was a special set of headphones that works either he built or was built for him that's operating at the speed that he operates at when he's at his fastest right because puts a, he that, puts him yeah. on and he puts him on as he starts <laughs> to run around him. and yeah. hits yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah and you so don't hear anything have... else right who would have so, built that for him though good theory scott good theory i mean <laughs> It's, I don't know about in the 70s, but I mean, I know today we could do something like that. You know, you put it out there as a microburst, you know, for him, he could actually hear mm -hmm. that. I think mm -hmm. that by the nature of a of a tape deck, you could. Yeah, just, you could I mean, speed if you made the hell it, out of it. To fast, it would still be, well, still would play it. It would. How, really how was he, what was he listening to anyway? Because uh, there weren't any, no, but I mean, there weren't any Walkman in early 70s oh you're oh, right true. oh i mean yeah i mean i've heard that as a criticism point. too but come on i mean you, you you're <laughs> that's that's getting into the territory of well where did dorothy get that bucket of water that she threw at the witch it wasn't there two scenes ago it's like come on <laughs> you, you you're gonna accept a, a talking thing, tin a man but you're not gonna accept the bucket of water just popping oh, it out of nowhere it's funny. the same thing we're accepting this movie about you know a woman that can open up portals and you know, a guy with claws coming out of his hand, but you're going to nitpick the, the headset that he's listening to? Yeah, it just yeah, seems yeah but does that... No, 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 no. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Because that is something that is supposed to ground it in reality. And they went way out of their way to pay strict attention to period <laughs> detail, and then all of a sudden... I'm telling you, I had headphones in the '70s, and they were the size of a car. Yeah, <laughs> well, and they and had right. to something. This giant of coiled cord with a with a quarter inch jack on the end of it, and I didn't have anything I could plug it into other than a giant stereo. They look like the things that you wear now to protect your ears when you're using a jackhammer or a chainsaw. Yeah, but I mean, again, isn't it possible that he he built them? That yeah. he built them for himself so that he would have something where he could listen to music at the speed he operates. See, at. I know nothing about sure. his character, so I don't know. I know yeah. the comic book version of Quicksilver, I would not credit with being that smart, but this kid, uh -huh. you know, in the movie version, I mean, possibly. I, I don't know. I mean, Fox owns sure, the, the Fantastic Four, so Reed Richards made him. That's all. I, I just sure. Googled portable A track player, and they were a thing awesome. in the 70s movie. Apparently, how big was a portable eight-track player? Uh, you could I mean, have stuffed it in a portable. jacket. My uh, brother had a portable eight-track player. Yeah. He had a it big a... jacket on. <laughs> no, I, I picture him listening more to Black Sabbath, though, than Pink Floyd, than than Jim Croce. But you never know. He might have just had that album because he liked the wreck of the end. Was that is that Jim Croce? No, that's no, a, no, that's no it's Lightfoot. Uh, Gordon Lightfoot. Lightfoot. Yeah. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the wreck of the Edmund Gordon Fitzgerald is Gordon yeah. Lightfoot. <laughs> What'd you say? Fellas, it's been good to know you. Has <laughs> <laughs> that same same annoying voice? There's another guy. Oh, there's Damn. a lot of them out there. Big great legs. Oh, not Sean Denver. <laughs> You're not talking about Glenn Yarbrough. Oh, like that they call Gitchigoony. <laughs> We're not going too far afield here. I'm going to just let the this only go. Lines I know. So I, I just, no just want to so. say, um, I I have 
almost, with one exception, almost nothing but positives for this movie. I feel like uh, oh, we we kind of sent it into nitpicks and uh, and and things that we're down on about the movie. I, I would really like to talk about the positive things in the movie because I think the the movie got a lot of shit right. Um, I, I will, I will say though, my, my one, uh, criticism of the movie, cause I could nitpick it to death, but I, yeah. I choose not to because I enjoyed it that much. But my one actual, uh, remaining complaint about the movie is I think the score is really weak and that pains yes. me to say it because I really, really like John Ottman and the score works in the movie yeah, but outside the movie, at least the commercially available album right now, and I might feel differently if I can get my hands on like the complete score and give that a solid listen. Maybe I'll change my mind. But just listening to the commercially available album that's out there of the score, I'm very unimpressed with it. It's not very good, especially for an Ottman score, but especially, again, coming after first class which is a kick-ass score and one of the best scores of the last 10 years it's really disappointing that this movie has such a weak score but that said i want to like i say i want to focus more on my positives of this um i have several of them that uh, were really big for me the the big one and this one caught me totally by surprise i never realized uh, I guess just what a big deal this was to me. But when we got the scene, you know, very end of the movie where Wolverine's walking up and he sees Gene standing there in the doorway. Now, granted, I had not seen the Wolverine before I saw this movie. Um, so when he's walking up to her and everything, I wasn't sure exactly what was going on. But as I started to realize, oh my God, something's happened. The timeline has shifted. I'm thinking, Oh, wouldn't it be awesome if Scott comes walking out of nowhere? You know, and then I remember thinking to myself, "No, I know for a fact he's not in this movie because he had he had done that press junket and said that he was not going to, you know, he did not appear in the movie." And then when he appeared, I literally jumped to my feet and cheered, and I I surprised myself in that because I was like, "Really, am I that attached to Cyclops?" (laughs) I guess I am because when I I saw him in this movie, I was that excited that holy shit. Cyclops is back, and it's the same guy. I was really happy about that. Uh, now you guys know me. You've you've listened to me do these shows now for you know however many years. You know I'm not a big fan of messing with the timeline and reboots and all that sort of thing. But this one worked for me. I'm really excited about the the future of the franchise because of where this movie leaves off. It's back where it's supposed to be. Yeah, with Scott it, it is. together, and yeah, and but one of the things I really. 80s and they're, oh, know. definitely. I mean, but one of the things that really worked for me with this was that despite some of the douchey things that Singer had said in interviews before the movie came out, I feel like it was done in a correct way that if you if you are going to be dissatisfied with X3 and feel a need to kind of reset some things like Cyclops and Professor X and Magneto and all that. I like the way it was done in this is that it wasn't just all swept under the table. While I appreciated the fact that they didn't feel a need to linger on things or to explain every single thing, like how the hell is Professor X back? I like that they didn't waste any time on that. I don't really care how he's back. I just, I'm glad he's back and they just got right into the story. But what I liked was 
what I feared was going to happen the moment that you see Professor X is back and, and all these characters that were left in a very weird state after X3, I kind of felt like this movie was starting out by sweeping X3 under the rug. That is not the case because in that little scene uh, where we get inside Wolverine's head, every prior movie that has happened... Yeah has happened and they're all acknowledged and i really yep. appreciated that so it showed me that we understand this came before we're going to acknowledge it came before it is canon but still at the end of the movie there's been a mild reset and i really appreciated that i thought that was very well handled that's something that star trek could have taken a cue from right there and i and i thought it was really <laughs> well done um any movie that ever mentions Buckminster Fuller is automatically going to get a thumbs up from me. I thought that was awesome. Uh, I loved the Quicksilver scene. And the inclusion, again, of some of the mutants that they picked for this. Um, I, I love seeing Blink. I thought that she was really well handled in the movie. I mean, you didn't get a lot of her, but I didn't need to get a lot of her. She wasn't really much of a character in the comics anyway. I just thought she was kind of cool and I like her power set and the way her power set was depicted in the film, I thought really showcased how great the special effects were in this movie. Well, Some she was, really solid stuff. She was big in the exiles book. I don't know if you've read that Scott. Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, and oh, that's okay. what I know. Her. That's the only place I know her from. If she's been in anywhere else, I, I don't know. Of well, it, she but... was also in the, in the age of apocalypse books too. Yeah. That was her first. Well, that's right. Yeah, I forgot about that. But I mean, I, I read Exiles and loved the book. But even in that, yeah. you know, with her being on the team and all, I mean, was she ever really much of a character? She was just kind of Mimic's girlfriend, you know? Well, I think, so I, I, I like when might, you. Hmm? I thought they might have put her in there because of that video game portal. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> It's like a big deal. And there was doing the sort of same thing. And a lot of people play that game. And what she was doing was very similar to what happens in Portal. And I think, like, right. a lot of people have played that game so much that, like, it could be kind of disorienting seeing what she's doing. And I think most people are like, oh, I, <laughs> you know, I know exactly what I'd do. I'd open a portal right there and jump through and get them from behind. And it's boom. Right. It. So I it found it hard cool. to kind of keep up with the scenes that she was doing that in at first. and But when I my brain finally caught up to the sequence and I realized what was going on. I was like, wow, yeah, this really, really is cool. brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, the Sentinels ca caught up with her, too. That was probably yeah. one of the better, <laughs> I mean, examples of, like, the classic X-Men, you know, team skills that using you would see in the comics. Yeah, that, using right. powers yeah. to channel people in one direction yeah. while another person does stuff, and, uh, yeah. Now, um, I don't think we've talked about some of the Easter eggs that that popped up in here one the, the first one that pops up to my head is the when magneto embeds wolverine with the metal uh with the rebar that it, that's supposed to be an homage to when the the adamantium was pulled from his body from the cover mm -hmm. from that scene that they would they, that they put him you know they placed those pieces of metal as close as they could to mimic that image from the books um, and then we saw what other one we saw. Well, not only did we see Pietro, uh, Pietro, but we saw a, a possible young Wanda. Yeah. Um, and and it was. Yeah. Well, yeah, I guess. <laughs> well, there was, she's there not was a even a lady. A, <laughs> no, you don't know. You don't know. She didn't speak, right? She's she's a squatter. Yeah, she's the one that answered the door. 
Oh, yeah, that's right. What did he do now? Like, yeah, <laughs> he's downstairs. And I guess there's a and, quick scene. And it scene. did say Maximoff on the. Uh, yeah, the, on. Right. And I, I guess there's a quick scene that I heard on, um, like, look it online or something. Uh, that there's a scene. Uh, okay, when they come in and, and he says, "You got a rental car." I checked your re- re- your your registration. Apparently, you see a quick blur go past them, out to the car and and back in that scene. But it's it, yeah, it's real quick to notice. I've seen the movie three times. I never noticed it. Hmm. As far as the Quicksilver Magneto thing, all I gotta say is, when did he have him? When he was eight, because the two actors really aren't that far apart in age. But whatever. Are you sure? He's been hunting Nazis, uh, you know. He's been yeah, it's 1973, and he was 10 years old during World War II. True. Which would make him about 40. Yeah. Yeah, it works. Yeah. But it just doesn't look it, really. No, he. I mean, he looks younger than 40, and I'm sure the actor is younger than 40. He's about yeah. 38. I get, the, I get the impression that mutants age less... All comic book characters age less. Yeah, oh, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's yeah. a sliding timeline. That's that's one of the first things that their superpowers give them is the ability to not age. That's just automatic now. Yeah. Oh, right. That means I'm not. I'm. I'm going to stop aging. <laughs> <laughs> what I think is funny is like the Professor X and Magneto you see at the beginning of the movie. They've aged. Like, they've aged, and I think they just like were like, let's put less makeup on the actors. Yeah. <laughs> And then, like the you know the normal Professor X, you know, at the end of the movie, they probably had to really like <laughs> cake him with with makeup. More Botox. Ten years. So, so what did? Uh, it was even more so in the. Did yeah. future Ma- did future Magneto just miss, or did he get hit by a piece of plastic that that gutted him? In in the future sequence, when he was hit with the shrapnel, was it a piece of plastic? No, he's probably. I mean, just I mean old, because he man. stopped everything else. Well, could, I don't know. Pussy. <laughs> hey man, we that brought the room to, to a halt. Yeah, I actually like. Yeah, I'm. Uh, that that was one movie I walked out of, and I'm like, well, I'm going to be watching that again. I, I think any of my soon. criticisms are just. I said for some reason I wasn't able to let my fandom go enough and I should have because it really is a great movie um, I don't think I have a problem with the bigger universe as a whole and I'm not completely satisfied with the whole future reset thing I'm really not even sure what is canon at well, this you're, point you're, you're, you're screwed man, <laughs> basically. You're, you're I know because just... I know Fox didn't go into these things with you know trying to build the Marvel Studios type universe that's more cohesive they, they do they do a better say, job if they don't. Oh, that. Boy. Oh, that was a great <laughs> well, I yield the floor to the senior senator. The senior senator. But they, they do a better <laughs> job if they don't let you know exactly what's canon at this point because it leaves them a lot more room to do whatever they want in the next movie. Yeah, right. yeah, and yeah. I get that. And I mean, I, I said, I love the last scene and seeing just some of the you know actors that came back for literally a second, you know, amazes me. Yeah. Although, strangely enough, they've now renamed The Last Stand. They're now calling it X-Men Legends. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> X-Men, did this really happen? You know, was it a dream? X-Men The Hangover, maybe it would be. Hey, Wolverine remembers all of it. Yeah. He's stuck hey, with it. He's a little fuzzy on that, too. He just doesn't remember. He just wakes up 
And he's got his memory up past. through the future until he passed out when he got dumped in the Potomac. There. Yeah. So now he's the so now he's a history teacher, but he doesn't know anything about what he's taught and he how to teach. He alternate history. Yeah. I chuckled. That made so much sense to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, you do need an alternate history with the you know history. Teacher. I'm just saying because he's been alive for like 200 years. Yeah. He's. You were saying something, Scott? Sorry. You said you saw this three times? Yes. All right. So is there a mention of Banshee and what happens to him? Because I, I know... I believe he's yeah. in the autopsy photos along he with is. his okay. angel. And there's a mention by Magneto. Yeah. Yeah, we're not really ever told how they died, but... Yeah, because I, I caught everybody else that was missing from first class, you know, as far as Emma and Azazel and Riptide person. and all them... <laughs> I don't think he mentioned Riptide, but he definitely mentions Angel, Azazel, and Banshee. Yeah. Right. And Emma. That's a shame. I thought Banshee was one of the better. Yeah, me too. Plays of the powers in first yeah. class. I really wanted to see him back. Well, Maybe with a little more Irish actor, but well, um, an Irish sounding actor anyway. I thought that scene <laughs> where she was looking through the autopsy photos was really well played too. Yeah. It was funny. Yeah. It was. It was. They, I liked how they were doing a little parallel of her becoming magneto sort of yeah. hunting down you know she was basically doing her version of nazi hunter yeah magneto nazi hunter and the uh, dinklage crying when you know the, the his assistant noticing the tears on dinklage's yes. face was nice yeah. to dinklage slash mystique did you guys catch the uh the cameos by len ween and yep. chris claremont i knew I they were in there but i did not see them they were like in the panic room, right? Yeah. No, they were in, no, the, they were in the, uh, the the Senate committee there. Talking the, yeah, the, the, the round table there at the very beginning, yeah. I did not know that. I knew they were... No, I, thought, I thought they also what? wound up in the panic room. Is that not right? Probably. I can't recall. They, they may have. But, I mean, I recognized Chris Claremont right off the bat, you know, having met the guy and everything. I recognized him. But the other guy, Len Wein, I kept looking at him going, that's a creator cameo but i couldn't figure out who he was i just i i had a feeling that he was a, a creator because i'd seen you know pictures or something and i had to look it up later on to see who he actually was but i was proud of myself that while i didn't realize exactly who it was that i did know that it was a comic book person and so i thought that was pretty cool no but it was nice to see those guys get some measure of something. no stan lee in this one though no nope. no no stan no well, Stan was not in either. first class either, yeah. And uh, was was I don't think he was in Last Stand. He was in... Oh, no, he was in Last Stand. He's first at the beginning one, with the hose. Yeah, in the yeah. third one. He's not in the second one, uh, first class, or this one. I can't remember what the reason was for, for, uh, for X2, but I know the one for first class, the reason he gave it anyway was that they, they filmed it too far away for him. That's I what don't know what his excuse well. was for this one here. Oh, is that the same That's thing? That's what I heard. Now, you yeah. would think they could just do some sort of a shot of him, let him they stay in California, do a shot of him, and have him on a TV screen in the background or something. Yeah. Right. Just for the sake of getting him in there, because it's always good to, to have him <laughs> in there. Right. But, well, you know. once again, I was totally, which I find myself more and more, totally lost by the post-credit sequence. I was just like, Oh, that's cool, and I had no idea who it was. <laughs> See, I didn't even think it was that cool, and I knew who exactly who it was. I, I thought I it was awesome. You, you didn't I like it too. 
Yeah. If it, did, if it didn't have the four horsemen in the background, I would have been like, okay, I get it. But they had showed the four horsemen. I'm like, ooh, I started to rub my fingers together. <laughs> I was excited. I don't see, know. I need to I see it again because I didn't catch the four horsemen, but I definitely, as soon as it was pyramids yeah. and all that, I was like, okay, I know where this is headed. This is pretty freaking cool. Oh, I was like, is than... this the beginning of Prometheus? Is that's what I was thinking. <laughs> I, I had uh, read a, a spoiler, which turned out to be fake about the end sequence. And the one I had read was supposedly leaked was that somehow Magneto would be turning into apocalypse at the end of it. Oh, that would be asinine. I, Glad they didn't go that way. Yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, uh, it was you know kind of a throwaway scene, and said unless you were like a mid '80s, late '80s, early '90s. I must have just missed. Fan, yeah, you I really know. I must have just missed that. Anyone, but he's pretty big. He and, seems uh, to be if he's building pyramids. Yeah, just yeah. By the power. That's of the mind. that's the tip of the iceberg, man. <laughs> Hopefully, yeah. In addition to Sanford and Son and all the other things that were snuck into this, we even had a, a little Kirk cameo in there. Yes. Mm-hmm. How awesome is that? So that they had to uh, even credit uh, Alexander Courage at the end of the movie. Oh, did they? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's cool. Or, you know, just the background music. Oh, yeah, that's what I was saying. I was, all the little, All those little things were like... I was just like, man, somebody's somebody on this movie seems like they're pandering to Scott and I because Nixon, Kirk, and Sanford and Son, come on. Just any two of them would have been cool and a coincidence, but three, I don't know. I love seeing Nixon in there character-wise, but I'll agree with Bill. I thought he was poorly acted. He didn't really look like him. He looked more like somebody doing a comedy impression of Mm -hmm. Nixon. Isn't that that all you really get now, though? Yeah. yeah, exactly. But I expect that's, better. That's what you're going to get from uh, almost any historical figure, you know. That I mean, I mean, he, the whole thing was a punchline. He opened the drawer inside of the tape recorder. It's like, all right, really? <laughs> right, that was the yeah. easiest yeah. fodder ever. I mean, you couldn't have done anything else. Right. Yeah, no. I I mean, the thing is, they could have maybe done a more realistic Nixon or a different or quirkier Nixon or something. But it might have, you know, maybe they decided thought it was gonna distract. It would distract from the storyline or. Well, it it distracts from the storyline to have a caricature of him in there. Yeah, well, I mean, just left Nixon out altogether. He looks like he looks like Nixon mixed with the Danny DeVito penguin. Jesus <laughs> Christ! Nixon out altogether and just had it be some high-ranking political figure that whose name is you know unknown to us. Right, right. I just think though, when we uh, finally get the X Men movie in the mid '90s, we'll probably be called X Men versus the Excessive Couches. Uh, we'll get somebody playing uh, Bill Clinton. Yeah. Start your casting now. Yeah, it's called Get Bill Clinton and Die His Hair. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, it'll, be be, it'll it. probably be that he'll guy from, like... He'll be president by then. Yeah, and he'll, he'll have, have extra time on it. They'll head. have that guy from, like, Mad TV playing. Yeah. Or, like, the, the, the... Get Will Ferrell. That big guy, yeah. No, Will, Will Ferrell Will or something. Will yeah. But, I mean, yeah, at least they didn't have a caricature, um... Oh, uh, what's his name? Um, oh, um... Kissinger in there too. He's usually yeah. when they're doing caricatures from that time period. He's usually in there too. So he's the one you want. I mean, that's easy. Just do the bad, you know, mad accent. Yeah. Well, they could have gotten Dan Aykroyd to come in there. And Except, exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Dan Aykroyd's about the right way to play Henry Kissinger <laughs> yeah. now. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> All right. I think we're about ready to do our our little um 
our little one minute summing up and uh, get the hell out of here. What do you guys think? I yeah. All right, mm-hmm. let's let's go just like we we did before with uh, Scott Gardner. You go first, man. I I thoroughly enjoyed it. I thought it was really solid. Uh, can't wait to see it again, Mister Rifen. Uh, I will buy this on video, on DVD, on streaming, whatever the hell we buy these things on these days. Whatever it ends up on. Uh, yeah, I thought it was a very successful melding of all the X Men and a great foundation for more films to come. Uh, I encourage anybody <laughs> to see it. Uh, pacing great, special effects great. Um, I, it's it's solid film to me, top to bottom. All right, McGregor, you're up. Ultimately, I had a great time watching this. Um, it's a beautiful film, great special effects, and great performances all the way around. The actors that were allowed to have performances, um, which is probably my biggest problem with just throwing too much in the kitchen sink into a movie. Um. I still think the X-Men movie continuity is kind of irretrievably fucked, and I really don't even know what X-Men movies I've watched that even exist anymore. <laughs> so so that bugs me a little bit, but, uh, you know, I'll get over it if they give me a good Apocalypse movie, and, you know, I'll keep paying the box office. Uh, it still just kind of drives home the overlying point to me, though, that Marvel Studios somehow... I want to just keep watching those movies again. I have a lot fewer nitpicks, and they're just—they've got something in their recipe that the, the offshoot studios of Fox and Sony just aren't doing for me. And uh, they should just give them back to Marvel, like free, and pay yeah, them to make the movies. Of their hearts. Yeah, <laughs> I like to dream sometimes. Just for the sake of the franchise. All right, Paul Spataro, you're next. Well, as a comic geek, I feel the constant pathological need to rank things so i found myself sitting there saying where does this fall in the uh, overall comic book movie ranks and i have a real difficult time with that so i narrowed my field a little bit and i said where does it rank in the x-men ranks and i think the consensus is that first class was the best of the x-men franchise and it's certainly in my opinion the best of the x-men franchise uh after that i always held x2 in very high esteem and i believe this movie ranks on a level with x2 there are things to nitpick about it and i think we've spent probably more time nitpicking than we should have in this review uh but overall it's a very enjoyable movie and i do believe it will hold up to repeated viewings says dr no all righty no, I'm saying Doctor. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I can't. Uh, I can't add too much more than that. I really loved it. Um, you know, first class and this are my one A and one B for X Men movies. Um, you know, you really can't go wrong with this one. It's a. It's a good story, well told. Um. Oh me. Okay. <laughs> I think. Uh, well, I think this about that. Um, I think it's a very fine line or a, a razor's edge or a double-edged sword or whatever the hell you want to pick, you know, stupid saying for it, to make a comic book movie into a, or a comic book into a movie and especially an, an ensemble comic like the X-Men that's very popular and it has different time periods and different popularities. It's just landmines waiting to happen. And I think from the b- very beginning... 
with maybe X3 as the low point, which I still enjoyed watching. I think they've done almost a miraculous job of pulling the X-Men into the into a movie franchise that that people can watch. And I think they've also somehow the last couple of movies I think have been I like First Class a little bit more than this movie maybe because it was brand new and it was just fresh and the and this you know by being the second movie can't be as fresh but I think that in a lot of ways X3 sort of out of the picture they the movies have been sort of getting better all the time they've actually been refining instead of you know just make cheaping out on them and making them you, you know just as many as they can to like most franchises do and then you know you get to the low rent phase and then they're gone they've really like put a lot of thought into how to keep it going and keep it working and that's highly unusual you i pretty much expect diminishing returns from sequels of movies and that may not be that you know that may not be the case these days we may be seeing a golden age of franchises whether it be marvel or or this so i i was thoroughly entertained all the way through it i mean it was the perfect summer going movie experience it was it had me it was playing me like a a fiddle all the way through i was right with it at all the all the parts and with that it's time for you, uh, Dr. Bill. Channel well, your pain, man. <laughs> needs his pain. I want my pain. <laughs> Defines me. Makes me who I am. Well, I, uh, I, I guess if I have to give this a grade, I'm going to give it a C. Um, and when it comes around on TV or, you know, I'll pick it up on DVD. But I'm not going to go see it again in the theater, at least till my mutant power stops kicking in, <laughs> which I hope I can get rid of this mutant power by the time Guardians of the Galaxy comes around. Oh, me too. Because uh, <laughs> I really want to see that. And I'd actually like to make a special trip to Orlando to go see it with Scott, and uh, because that way, if I come out and say, that sucked, he can just punch me in the face. I don't know, man. That's, <laughs> got you covered. <laughs> <laughs> What the hell's wrong with you? Smack, smack, smack. I might just do it for this movie, actually. (laughs) Remember, I made the trip to to watch Tron Legacy with him, and it didn't set the world on fire. Oh, yes. (laughs) Why did you have to bring that up? (laughs) You're you're right. No, that's, it's, you know. But um, I had fun going to the movies with him, man. Maybe I'll have a different uh, different opinion on a second viewing, but, but like to. I said, I would have just rather seen a '70s movie, and I really hope the next one is not a mixture of old and new. If 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 they just if they want to do a separate future franchise and a past franchise, but I don't think they could probably afford that or for the production costs. Yeah. I don't know. You know, they may have to keep mixing them, and I I don't know if I really want to see that. I don't know right now. It would it would, it would make it. They would have to keep coming up with more stretches of the imagination to make it work, you know, every time if they really wanted to do that. I think they should, I think with whatever they find a good story for, they should stick with that period. They have the option of that 
that being said, in Hollywood, that's a great idea for me to say, but then you have actors and actresses and contracts and who made more money and well, all one, that. One thing, what, McAvoy has to suck it up and uh, lose the hair for the next one. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, he's getting really close. Although when he was <laughs> at his most haggard in this movie, he was starting to look like Patrick Stewart a little yeah, bit yeah. on the edges yeah. when yeah. you erased like, the hair off him. I thought that... At first, I didn't think he was a good casting choice when I first saw him in the first movie. And then after a while, I started seeing little bits of Patrick's, you know, him putting a little Patrick Stewart and why they picked his face and stuff. And I think it works really well. Well, I think we did it. We did it. world is safe once again for mutants. Yeah. (laughs) It's never safe for mutants. Dr. Bill didn't collapse in a... In a puddle of pain for the. <laughs> Although that would have made a great ending of the show. The <laughs> puddle being the operative word. Yeah, and then the girl from Impanina. Impanina. Impanada? Impanada. The girl from Impanada playing. Impanada. The girl from A blue puddle of pain. <laughs> <laughs> If you shop at Amazon.com, please consider using the link at 2TrueFreaks.com to shop there. If you use this link to go to Amazon and then you shop, 2TrueFreaks gets a little cut of what you buy and it doesn't cost you anything extra. So you get to shop as usual and help out the 2TrueFreaks at the same time. Visit our website at 2TrueFreaks.com. 2TrueFreaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. You can email 2TrueFreaks directly at 2TrueFreaks at gmail.com. 2TrueFreaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes, and you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish, or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. We have so many shows to choose from, there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. Just search 2TrueFreaks with an exclamation mark at the end, space, and the number 2. You can find 2TrueFreaks on Facebook. Just search for 2TrueFreaks. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show, too. Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of Two Two True Freaks.
finally invited aboard one of these spacecraft, which landed near Ann Arbor, Michigan, on October the 24th of 1954. This is a drawing of the craft. As I was leaving the craft, the commander, Soltek, said, soon others of your people will be able to have an experience similar to this. Gotta drink some more water. I gotta wait for these. I'm still waiting for these pills to kick in where I'm gonna piss blue. <laughs> no, just nice, just, just enjoy the red for now. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, oh, oh. Low level, lower level mute. Ouch. What'd you do? Have a cystoscope? Yes. Lovely. Yes. Six inches of pure camera. Please. I have oh. I have a, I have an embarrassing crotch story. All right. Hey, pal. We're, we're just talking about Doctor Bill's penis. <laughs> Okay, I'll catch you guys it. later. Isn't that gonna be, isn't that gonna be a regular monthly two true freaks show? Yeah. <laughs> Doctor Bill's, 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 Bill's penis. I think it should be the Doctor Bill's penis report. It'll be a short show. Hey, watch it. The penis of Doctor Bill Robinson. A mini series. Very. Yeah. I think he's gonna cut up the episode short anyway. Alright, so my crotch story. I uh alright, so we He's been dying to tell this story all day. Yes. Oh hilarious. Um Alright, so I assume most of you guys know what a testicular torsion is. Uh what what? Is that somebody that that uh contorts testicles? It's when your testicles flip around each other. It's like yeah. oh. I didn't. I didn't quite do that. They, they wrap around each other like those, like the dice in a car. Yeah, basically. Yeah. So like, like you had like eagles in a death spiral. There is a slightly lesser known thing called an appendix testes torsion which is basically where a little piece of your testicular matter wraps around itself just on one testicle. Hmm. So basically it feels like you've got a lead BB sitting in the bottom of your testicle. Ah. It it was horrible. And unfortunately, there's nothing they can do about that. I didn't know that until the ultrasound. Now, that brings me to the funny part. I go into the ultrasound. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, they're they're used to looking at babies, and now look what they got today on the docket. Another baby. Uh, <laughs> so I go in for the ultrasound, and uh, they got to put the, you know, they're like, all right, so put, this, put the Johnny on, whatever, and roll it up and put these towels under your butt and lay down, and the nurse will be in to administer the ultrasound. So the whole time I'm thinking, I'm like, all right, I'm buck naked with a white robe on, um, you know, laying down, and a nurse is about to come in. And on any other day, I would think that's some hot <laughs> shit. Uh, unfortunately, I'm also thinking in the back of my mind, okay, um, some nurse is going to have to come in and totally work over my junk with the ultrasound machine. So she comes in, and she's like six feet tall, redhead. Fishnets. Fucking cans like you wouldn't believe. I'm like, oh my god, I would be so cream <laughs> if I wasn't in here for a procedure. And uh, so she puts the the lotion on my skin and uh <laughs> it puts the, the lotion, lotion on did you, get, did you get the hose again 
I wish I gave her the hose, but um, so, so the whole time, just, I'm thinking to myself, like, oh god, now this 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 woman has to do this. She has to touch my shit, and like, tell me, so was recording this. So my whole thought process while I'm waiting is like, I hope she's not hot. I hope she's not hot. I hope she's not hot. And then she walks in. She's a knockout. Right, so she's probably just like right out of nursing school. Because she'd much rather have the ugly man do it. Uh, you know, honestly, with what <laughs> happened, yeah. So I'm not scam thinking anything. You're scamming. Yeah. That's what I do. No, I never want a dude touching my shit. Yeah, really? Never. I don't care what. How about a guy shoving a camera down it? it depends hey, that was yeah, mine. Man. That was mine. I'm lose my shit or not, you know? Two weeks ago, he shoved his old. finger up my ass, too. Yeah. I kind of expect that nowadays. Yeah, but that wasn't uh, even in a professional capacity. Shut <laughs> up. <laughs> uh, using the whole fist up? Damn dirty eight. <laughs> Today's procedure was to see if you could find his watch. Yeah, talk about thinking oh. pause, yeah. yeah. I... I did say to the doc uh, when he did the prostate check two weeks ago, uh, I said, you know what? Everything's going to be fine as long as I don't feel two, two hands on my shoulders and something up my ass. <laughs> he, said, he said, no problem. <laughs> That's uh, pretty rude. <laughs> all right, so let me finish my story. So she comes in, oh, there's more? Oh, Who yeah. the fuck is in a wind tunnel? I, I, it's, oh. it's, it, it, is it? Oh, my fan must be hitting it. Hang on. I'll just sit here in the heat for you guys. That's all right. Oh, yeah. Somebody dump his oh. ass. I thought he was just getting really into the story. Huh? That's, <laughs> That's what was creeping me out. All right, better? Yeah. Yes. Better one, better two. Yeah. All right, so I got the stuff for the ultrasound on my on my, my nuts. And uh, then she takes out the little <laughs> machine. And, uh, and I'm completely forgetting what an ultrasound does. Now, Hero, isn't that your nickname for it? The little machine? Yeah, well, not according to my girlfriend, but um, <laughs> the really little machine. That's right, <laughs> machine. Uh, the micro machine. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and it's and yeah, it takes just about as long as one of those commercials for the uh, toys. Um, uh, so she gets the ultrasound machine out, and I'm forgetting what it does. And what it does is it creates vibration so that it can send a you know thing back to the machine, and you can look at what's going on. So I'm sitting there trying not to look down, and I'm thinking the whole time, don't get a boner, don't get a boner, don't get a boner. She puts the fucking thing on my nuts, turns it on, and you hear, and so it's vibrating, which you know kind of feels pretty good because you know it's what happens when stuff tingles down there, you know, and uh, it also sends the sound of what's going on through like the speakers for the thing. So all I can hear is. whole time like don't get a boner don't get a boner don't get a boner i look down i totally have a fucking boner while she's like running this thing (laughs) not only do i have a boner i have to feel like hear the fact that i'm getting one like in surround sound it's like this is (laughs) like this is absolutely terrible like if she was it playing the spake zarathufa Uh, no, it was significantly faster than that, unfortunately. <laughs> like, like Kukaracha or something? That's probably better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know what? Somebody could have recorded it and turned it into a house techno song. Yeah. So, like, just, uh, just, 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 just,